0: Okay, brilliant. Brilliant. It's a question that we ask often, very often, and it's a question that I lie awake thinking of and I dream of, as do a number of people. I think that one of the answers that tends to happen to this, and particularly in something like, let's take small groups, what impact is your small group having? Well, I don't know. I mean we just we've been meeting every week for 5 years. I didn't ask that. I didn't ask what activity you're doing. I asked what impact are we having? And and we have many an uncomfortable conversation because there are some things that we like to do and we realize well is it actually having the impact that we really rather hope it would. So while we're talking about impact we really need to just go back a, a, a step and ask this question. This is the last of the questions for a while, for those of you that don't like talking to other people. (laughs) Like, I've been talking to this person with me all week. I've had enough of them. Uh, And and that is this question. What is your church actually aiming at? What are you trying to see happen? Two minutes, off you go. Okay, we're a little bit short on time, so I'll just... um, if I could just bring you back in, that would be fab. Okay, so um, we, we, think we, we think we express what our church, um, Asher Vineyard, is there to do. We think we express it quite a lot, but I took a bit of a risk uh, last week. We had a, a, a very unfortunate moment where um, our first start service starts at 9.30, and at 9.29, the guy who I was worship leading with said, who's hosting this morning? I don't know. Don't you know? I don't know. Well, I haven't. have you seen any of the hosting team? No, I haven't seen any of the hosting. And that's the person who stands up at the front, everything else. So um, I had uh, one minute to look on Church suite and find out who it was to realise that the person who it was was not there. So for the first time ever in 10 years, I, I hosted at the beginning. It's, it's a new role for me, like Car Park. I love Car Park. Um, anyway, so what I did was I thought, well, I just want to greet everyone. Welcome. I said, okay, for any visitors here, We're about to do a little experiment that we've never done before. So I'm going to ask people who would call this their home, I'm going to say, why does Asher Vineyard exist? It exists too, okay? And I'm going to do that. And we're going to see how this goes. So I said, I could see a few new people. I said, this might be a car crash. I've no idea. So thankfully it went like passably. Um, (laughs) I guess the question for you is, in your context, who would know that answer if you did that? Would it go okay? I mean, we had a few random answers, you know, but I, I got the general gist. Um, this, is, this is the general uh, gist for us. We are bringing life to Ashford. That's what we're, that's what we're in Ashford to do. Um, but it, it got us to thinking a little bit more, okay, who knows that we're here to bring life to Ashford? You would like to think that our leaders would know, okay? What about, as we call them, Bobby Pugh filler? The people who just turn up kind of week in, week out, do they know why we exist as a church? Or let's go a bit wider. Does our local town council know why we exist as a church? Because if the kingdom is going to fully come, our council are going to know about it, right? And actually, our council probably want some similar things some of the things we want to see with the kingdom having fully come you can think about that just for a moment our council is a particularly good council I will say that so we recently revisited the question yet again it's something we periodically keep doing why did God create Ashford Vineyard why did he do it God why did you put us in Ashford what are we here to do and God makes it clear over and over, you are here to bring life to Ashford. Now, we describe this as like the John 10:10 life. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But I have come that you will have life and have it abundantly or have it overflowing. So we describe this as God's plan A. Nothing missing, nothing broken. The fullness of him. This is how we describe what we are looking for. Now, the wonderful thing about that language is we can use that with people from the council. We have a very good relationship with our local council, excellent relationship. And they say, and recently, there was like a little award ceremony, and in that, Asher Vineyard got mentioned, and the chief exec of the council said, mentioned Asher Vineyard," and said, and their tagline is one that we wish we got to first. Yes! I tell you what, you can share it because we all want to bring life to this precious town and you can bring it to some degree and we've got the, we've got the, the rest. and oh, We're coming on to that in a minute. I don't want to spoil that bit. So anyway, John 10.10 10, really and that's what we're describing as uh, bringing life to Ashford. So uh, if the kingdom had fully come in your town or city, what would that look like? I said it was the last question. I lied. I'm so sorry. I forgot. So you've got about 90 seconds to have a quick chat. If the kingdom fully comes in, then what would that look like in your town? Okay. We are um, we are motoring through. We've got lots. To, uh, we, we want to just try and drop into, you can be asked, you can just drop these questions down and re-ask yourself um, a little bit later on. Car Journeys is where Nick and I do a lot of our processing and chatting together. So we have recently, uh, we've been going nearly 10 years, and we expressed our vision when we first came to Ashford. And we've decided that we were feeling prompted by God to reimagine what our vision looks like. It hasn't really changed, bringing life to Ashford, while we didn't use those words. It's always really been the same. But you'd like to think that when you're 20 and you're asked the question, what do you want to do when you're older, you will express it slightly differently to when you're five. right? So we thought, well, there's nothing wrong with what we said before. It's just we think we can find a better way to start saying it. And one of the key things that is probably, it's not unique to Ashford Vineyard, but we love fuzzy edges. We have no idea who is in Asher Vineyard or who's out. We don't really know. I mean, I'm in, right? But, um, I mean, we have... <laughs> Nick, Nick's in. Nick's in, that's two of us. But we have such a fuzzy boundary. And as for what people think about Jesus, some of them, like, they have a relationship with him. Some of them don't. But they also love to join in and bring life to Ashford. And so they are part of what we do. And we invite them in to... To what, and they say, oh, I don't really want to come on a Sunday, but I'm really happy to help serve by working at Winter Night Shelter or something like that. We're like, brilliant. And guess what? They're not a project for us. We just love them being a part of what we're doing. Because as we lift Jesus up, they'll just be attracted to him. Yes. Or they won't. Uh, and, and thankfully, that's not really our, I mean it nice, it's not our problem. It's not, it's not a, a weight on us. So we have just, I mean, the ink on these, honestly, is barely dry. Um, and it's really hard to see on green. looks great on my screen. Uh, But you'll see we have basically broken bringing life to Asher. We asked that exact question. If the kingdom fully came in Asher, what would it look like? Because when I know what it looks like, I can then say, well, that's what I'm going to start aiming for then. That's what we're going after. So as I say, even... (laughs) Even This shouldn't be going out in a podcast. Even our leaders haven't seen the finished article of this. I literally got it mailed through to me yesterday morning uh, after a few tweaks. So we, we've spent about a year discussing all this, etc. So increasing people's connection to God as Father, we've said, is number one. Because you can, anyone can do these five. I don't think they should be able to do them as well as a church can. The church can. This bit is effectively unique to us so we want to see um, increased opportunities for people to encounter God so let's take healing on the streets great example so we're talking about people who would consider themselves not in a relationship we want them to encounter God and know what that feels like my word we as the church owe this generation and our towns and cities an encounter with God I mean honestly we can lecture them for hours but as that awful song used to go just one touch from the king changes everything sorry if you're in here and you wrote it i'm really sorry probably shouldn't have said that and if you're on podcast it's a great song (laughs) anyway um so there's that and then encouraging decisions of yes to jesus do you know what i I don't quite know where that line is and people pray the prayer and the, the one that's not even in the bible but at some point you know people make a decision i i want that relationship we want to encourage people to have that moment We've got into the habit of every single service, actually. Even just on a service, we say, we just want to give everyone an opportunity to say yes to Jesus if there's anyone here. You'd be amazed how many people start to say yes. We had about 20 last year who probably only said yes because we gave them the opportunity. And then, of course, you want people to grow in their relationship. So everything we do at Asher Vineyard, people have to include an aim that goes after one of these. And then they can pick from these. It depends, obviously, what the activity is. It it all makes sense. I loved this. We sent it to um, a young lady in our church who does a load of artwork, and she said, oh, I had this really good idea. I hope you're not offended, but I've sent this through. This is exactly the same thing, but done as a dry wipe board. So you can put it on your fridge and write down what you're going to specifically do that week to go after, like, one of these things hope you're not offended. I'm like, that rocks. That's awesome. Um, So we're we're just looking into buying like 600 dry white markers or something. (laughs) I don't know, but we're working out exactly what that looks like. Okay, that's section one. But like I say, don't panic. They uh, They are different lengths. So here we have, you know what you're going after. You come up with some strategic activities that enable you to get to those things that you're going after. Then you undertake the activities, and then you do that thing. You measure. You dare to count. You dare to measure. My time is incredibly finite. I'm guessing yours is too. I have a certain number of hours in the day. I have a family, a wonderful family. And I have the 24 hours that you have I don't want to spend my time doing something that isn't working towards the thing that God has placed us in Ashford to do. Doesn't mean I never watch Netflix. It means as a church, we want to be going after things that we're getting maximum return on. Does that make sense? I mean, any any business person you speak to, and God's the ultimate business person, really, a very nice one, a very kind and very good one. So there is this thing when you teach. If you're a teacher, I used to be a teacher years ago. You would like assess, then you plan the work based on the assessment, and then they, the the children, uh, you know, do the pupils do the work, and then you assess what they've done, and you plan accordingly, and then they do it. And so this cycle is supposed to go on and on. But what you do in churches is um, you plan, you do, and then you just keep doing. And we've been doing it this way for the last 25 years and 30 years and more. Yeah, but what difference are you making? Well, we, I've, honestly, I've asked people this, even within Asher Vineyard. What difference is your small group making? Do you know, we meet every week. Yeah, I didn't ask when you met. I asked what difference you're making. Oh, people really love it. No, I didn't ask whether people liked it. I said, what difference are you making? And then, if people dare answer, which many people do, it's really good. It's such a good question. The very next question is what? How do you know? Yeah. Oh no, we really are making a difference. Are you? That's amazing. How do you know? Oh well, <laughs> I mean, we just are, aren't we? I don't know. Are you? Uh, I don't know. I'm not there. I can't be in every group. How, are you making a difference? How do you How do you know you're making a difference? These some of these are uncomfortable questions. So. Before we get onto that, this is something we do. Really haven't got time to go into this. Um, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit of that kind of brain. But anyway, this is a fruit plan. So Mummy's Meals is one of the projects we do. And this is a fruit plan because we are planning for... Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was a five-a-well spent. Uh, yeah, we are planning for fruit. That's the whole point. That's what Jesus asked us to do. He didn't ask us to produce leaves. He asked us to produce fruit. So we ask each activity, each project, each whatever you want to call it, to actually plan for fruit. Impact, if you like. And so you can see we have, well, what's your target? So mummy's meals is people can get referred to us and families in Asher Vineyard cook other families' meals and take them round every day for like a week or something. Call Mummy's Meals because often it started really for mums who just had babies and you know, everything's all over the place. Task needed complete aim because this aim is to have 20% of Mummy's Meals children dedicated. So this is one of those CG ones, see? Increasing people's connection to God as father. These are people who don't know him. The vast majority of our Mummy's Meals recipients don't know him. And then we're saying, well, what t- kind of tasks are going to be ne- needed to complete the aim? What's the evidence? In other words, how are we going to know when this is even done? Who's responsible for it? How much is it going to cost? I love that box. Look at that. Zero. Brilliant. <laughs> um, time scale, begin and end. And then any notes at the end. And then you have the wonderful tick box where you can just tick it off. And the idea is these get reviewed every sort of two, three months. Can we get these slides, yeah. You can. You can. I have no idea how, but we will We will try and make this possible. So this is, I literally, I just nick mummy's meals. Um, I hope she doesn't mind. But anyway, I, I nick mummy's meals one. So you can see they've got that increasing people's connection to God as father. They've got more is another another screen. But strengthening families, um, SF1, that aim. You might say, well, that sounds a bit corporate. Yeah, but that's because we're trying to work with any agency in Ashford that wants to work with us. I mean, our vision statement used to say, we want to reach out and gather in. We want a place that make, that where people feel um, comfortable and at home. And we'd all go, oh, that's lovely. You say that to the council and they say, how are we supposed to measure that? We're not giving you any money. We can't work with you. We want a place that reaches out and gathers in where everyone's made to feel welcome and that they matter. It's really nice, but it's sentiment. So if it feels a bit corporate and I I get it I get the kind of jarring nature of it Uh, that's probably because that's who we're trying to work with so just very quickly back to this so that's our that's our plan we've devised our aims which we've done the strategic activities is based on that plan you (laughs) do the activities and then frequently you measure so how do you measure well we've got this question which you have not got time to answer I'm so sorry because we're racing through what we do is we send out a questionnaire. This is one of the ways. So stats and stories. If you write nothing else down this afternoon, write down stats and stories, and we are forever grateful to Causeway Coast who rammed this down our throats when we went to visit them. Stats and stories. Stats on their own does not tell you everything. Stories tell you things that stats can't tell you. But don't shy away from stats Stats really help you. And you need those people who are willing to just emotionally just detach slightly a minute and say, actually, is this thing working? In fact, Nick and I had a conversation in the hotel a couple of nights ago where we ended up saying, do you know what? I, th- I, I thought we did done more mummy's meals than that. Why? How can we up the ante on mummy's meals? Because we know there will be people out there who need them. So um, just very quickly, we end up doing this. That data comes back in. Uh, and this is uh, what we call our impact card. This is old data. Quite literally, the new data came in last week, or the last of it came in last week. And our arty person is in the middle of creating this new one. But this is our, this is our old one. This is about 18 months old. So um, this is just a way that we represent some of the data. This is brilliant to be able to give to your local counsellor who's got a pot of money. And it's a brilliant way to give... This is a brilliant thing you can give to... You can put them on all the chairs so that people who are giving their time, energy and money each week, they know, wow, we really are making a difference. Look at that. I didn't realise that. That's amazing. We put one in our plugged-in guide. That's for people who are brand new. Because I think anyone... uh, we We just represent it differently. I think anyone who's looking to join a church should want to know, is this church having an impact? should be one of the first questions that people ask. Because if this church isn't having an impact, why join it? I find another one that is having an impact because God has called us to being fruitful. Very last... Oh, I'm not even going to bother with that slide. I'm going to go straight on um, and just welcome up my dear wife, Nick. Yes. (laughs) A little bit.
1: So this section comes with a disclaimer. I'm now going to talk through the nuts and bolts of what does this look like at Asher Vineyard? So like, what do we actually do? What kind of activities do we do? But the disclaimer is that what works in Ashford might not work where you are. And you have to know your people. And you have to know what they love to do and what they're interested in. So please don't use this as a we need to start a toddle group and we need to run a choir or we need to do this. Like These are ideas, but this is just some of the things that we're doing to give you a bit of practical ideas. Now, I will quickly just mention, oh, wrong way, this, which is what we have found. This isn't really a model so much as our experience. What we found at Asher Vineyard, undeniably, is that someone can come to a gathering group and we will have impact. So that could be like a social gathering space. They can come to a compassion project and we will have impact. They can volunteer somewhere and that will have impact. The impact completely increases when they start cross-pollinating across those things. So, for example, at Ashford Sings, which is the community choir that we lead, that's one of our gathering spaces. When people start contributing to our fundraising for Pilgrim's Hospice or when they want to show up and start packing hampers for families in Ashford, the impact we see on them increases Because they're not just coming for the one thing, they've then moved over to, yeah, I come here to socialize, but actually I love this community and I want to give something back. So I'm going to start getting involved in the compassion part. And then when people start participating and getting on a team and contributing, the impact goes up again. And then you throw the Jesus grenade into the middle and all bets are off. Because actually impact, as soon as Jesus comes into the mix, the impact is disproportionate. But in the practical level, you need to keep looking for opportunities to keep cross pollinating. It's like a greenhouse for impact. So whenever we have a social gathering space, we're also looking for what compassion projects those groups can get involved with. And actually how they can contribute financially to what other stuff's going on. We try not to separate this is compassion, this is gathering, this is volunteering. And we make it as blurred as possible so that people can keep moving between those. So this is just... A few of the things um, that we do, which are having impact in Ashford. The first photo is of our toddlers group. So this is um, it meets in our auditorium. It's the most inconvenient toddler group in Ashford because you can't park, and you have to park off site with your small children when it's raining and walk. And yet. For some completely unknown reason to us, it is comp- it's packed. We had 60 children turn up on Tuesday. Our Christmas party, we had to have a little waiting list in the end to get people there. But the reason people come, even though it's really inconvenient, and it's even in an auditorium where there are asbestos stickers across the ceiling. I mean, it's really, it's really that inviting. The reason they come is because they have a safe space to come and do life as a family. They have a space which is not cliquey. They can get alongside other families at the same stage of life as them. But the other thing we do is our storehouse, which is our baby and children's clothing, which is held in the warehouse. We open the storehouse whenever the toddler group or the baby group is on. So they're not separate entities. People are in the building anyway. And actually, it takes a lot for a family to say, I don't have enough money to clothe my child. That's really vulnerable. So if you've already got them in the building and in relationship, let's make that journey as easy as possible for them to be able to then come and play with the toys and have the toddler group. But why not pop upstairs and grab some clothes in a really relational way? Because they know the building and then they know the team. Then our Compassion Cafe. This was started because um, our head of compassion, Vicky, she's a social worker, and she was discovering that There was a whole group of families in Ashford who are classed as, it's a horrible term, but it's the working poor. So these are families who can't get along to all the projects that are open during the week because they're working and they're on zero hours contracts. So they can't take time off work to come and pick up food or clothing because they can't afford to do that. So Compassion Cafe was opened on a Saturday morning and people can come as a whole family. There's tea and cake, they can come and sit, there's papers available, there's toys, and all our projects are available during that space just to make it a bit more accessible for people. The next slide represents Christmas. So again, in terms of this is not so much about activities as impact. So this Christmas, we gave away 227 food hampers, 315 gifts to families. And on our big Christmas dinner, we had 148 people come and eat Christmas lunch with us on Christmas Day. Now, one of the things I love about the Christmas dinner, it is like beautiful carnage, is all I can explain. It's like... It's Christmas Day. And people say, oh, do you do it on Christmas Day? It's like, yes, it's Christmas dinner. So like, we do it on Christmas Day, and the auditorium is packed, and there are kids everywhere. And the culture is we have some people coming who are part of our gathering groups, some people who have accessed our compassion projects. We have volunteers who just contact us randomly via the website and say we want to get involved at Christmas. And so the impact actually is that you create a space of family and belonging because it doesn't feel like, and I hope I don't offend any of you here, it doesn't feel like a soup kitchen Christmas lunch. It's not a sad lunch. It's not like a place where we all sit around and eat dinner and feel sad that we all have to be there. It's genuinely a we get to be there. We, we take our kids every year and we just love it. And and it's those moments where you look at impact. Well, the impact is we fed people at Christmas. But the impact also is that we've created a space where they're not isolated. And the impact is that we've created a space where people can come and volunteer and feel a part of something as well. Very quickly. 1,000 hours... Too much to go into now, but we run a project again. We stole it from Causeway Coast. They did 10,000 hours. We thought that was a bit bold. We went for a thousand. So this is where every October, as a community, we dedicated to volunteer a thousand hours into the community. This last year, we volunteered 53,833 hours into the community, and that was done across 25 primary schools in our local area. And again, impact is when you can invite someone to be involved and have an impact at any level, which might be making cakes for their neighbours, or it might be doing a litter pick, or it might be doing a DIY project, it could be anything. But you can go to thousandhours.org if you want to find out more about um, the impact that Thousand Hours is having. And then Ashford Sings is our community choir. Um, and this is a space where we sing pop and rock songs. Um, every kind of people come along. There's no age restriction. Um, sadly for Chris, who's the musical director, there is no musical ability needed um, to be a part of the choir. And that's very evident if you come along. That <laughs> they, Every year someone says in the choir, please can we go on Britain's Got Talent? And every year we say... No. Um, For the reason that we want them to keep feeling they're brilliant. Um, So (laughs) one of the things we do is we measure. Again, so we're measuring all the time. We now actually have seven choirs across the country which have been birthed out of Ashford Sings. Um, And we took a survey of all our choir members and they told us this. 96% of people said that being a part of the choir had contributed to their personal well-being and mental health. 96%. 86% of people had seen an increase in their confidence as a direct result of being a member of the choir. 76% of people had seen a reduction in isolations in their life since joining the choir. And 96% of people felt more connected to their local community as a result of singing in the choir. This is where we talk about impact as being something we get to celebrate because actually, if you were to say, what's great about the choirs? We'd be like, oh, everyone loves the choirs. But that only ever takes you so far. Measuring and being brave enough to measure enables you to celebrate stats like that where we can see actually this is having an impact. So I'm gonna hand over now to the gorgeous Becca um, to tell you about the Beehive, which is one of our projects having an incredible impact in Ashford.
2: Thanks. Hi, everyone. So the Beehive is um, a shop right in the heart of Ashford Town Centre. And it is a second-hand clothing boutique, a community cafe and a workshop hub. It is decorated absolutely beautifully. So even though it operates like um, any charity shop does, we have clothing donated to us, there is no way that from the outside you would know that's what it is. And one of my favourite things is watching people on the street walk past going, what? Is that place (laughs) because it is beautiful and it feels like a boutique. As well as operating like a shop, and anyone can come in, we have women who are referred to us. They come from services all across Ashford, and it is women that are in need. And this might be uh, they need clothing immediately. We have women that come from the refuge. It might be they are in financial need, or it might be they just need a little bit of TLC. They come in, have an appointment with us. We listen to what's going on in their lives, give them coffee and cake, always a good way to get people talking. Um, And then at the end of their time, we do a personal shopper experience, and all of the clothes are free. one of the things about the beehive is that it's a place of dignity. And so all those clothes get run through the till. It's just for those women, it comes up as zero. So no one else in the shop would know that they're getting free clothing. In the same way with our workshops, people pay to come on the workshops, but some people get free spaces. And no one who's in the course knows that the other person is there for free. And then also we have over 50 volunteers that work in the Beehive and some of those are lovely retired ladies that just want to make a difference and some of those people that have been on Job Seeker's Allowance for a really long time and they just can't get work and they're there to gain work experience. We have the benefit that we see really immediate impact in what we do. Um, With our clients very often you see a physical difference. They come in quite closed body language and by spending the time with us and finding beautiful clothes for them to wear they literally walk out walk, um, walking taller um, one story uh, of just uh, some immediate impact was uh, just off- opposite our shop. There's some benches where a certain group of people like to drink during the day and they pop in for a cup of tea every now and again as well. And um, one lady came in who uh, Charlotte hadn't seen for a while. And she said, oh, Kathy, we haven't seen you in a while. We've really missed you. And she was totally overcome, A, because Charlotte had remembered her name and B, because she said no one had ever said I've missed you before every time but we also get um, to see some long-term impact we've just had kind of our first ever proper staff meeting with our staff and we opened it up by asking people what had brought them to the beehive in the first place and what they most loved about working the beehive and um, there was such warmth and honesty in the room and they really opened up about why they were there And uh, there wasn't a dry eye. Everyone just sobbed the whole way through all these stories because people were being so open and honest. And two of the main themes that came out were friendship and mental health problems. So people that were either looking for friendship, were new to the area, or really struggled in making friends, Or even people who that wasn't why they came to the Beehive to volunteer. They wanted to make a difference but had made some really important lasting friendships out of it. Or people that had got really serious anxiety and depression, um, real struggles in their lives. And by coming to the Beehive, whether it's an immediate, you know, you're just having a bad day or if it's an ongoing mental health problem that just being there makes a difference we've got one girl who really struggles with mental health and has been out of work for a while and she literally feels goosebumps every time she walks in the shop and so we get to have those conversations about why it is that she's experiencing that that you know that that's the holy spirit and that she experiences that every time she comes in the shop
1: So, really, just to wrap up this little part um, and talking about the impact looks different at different stages, I'm going to tell you, and um, we're calling her Sophie. Sophie's story is that she came along first to Bumpster Babes. She was quite isolated. She didn't have any friends, really good friends, that had children around the same age. She found a place of safety and belonging there. She disclosed to somebody there that actually things were tough at home and they said, Do you want to pop upstairs and get some clothes from the storehouse, which she did. When she went up to the storehouse, the person on the Storehouse said to her, Well, if you need clothes for your little girl, do you need clothes for you too? And so let me refer you to the beehive. So then they referred her to the beehive, and then she came along to the beehive, and a little while later, she actually filled in. We give um most of the ladies that come for free clothing, we give them really an opportunity of would you like to volunteer here? Rather than just kind of come along and this be a safe space. Do you want to come on the team? She then joined the team. Having joined the team, she then turned up at Compassion Cafe um, a couple of weeks later where one of our team members prayed for her, and she said she just felt like she was in a transition point. Um, And that's what led her to turn up on a Sunday morning. And she turned up on a Sunday morning, and on her second Sunday, as Chris said, every week we give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, and she said yes to Jesus. And we just baptized her on Sunday. Um, So the reason I tell you that story is... The impact for her was social connection. She was really isolated. The impact for her was practical. The aim you saw up about providing everyday essentials. It was clothing for her child and clothing for her. The opportunities for her to get job skills development and confidence and build upon her to be able to get back into the workplace again, that was impact for her. And ultimately, the impact of being now in a relationship with Jesus, which, as I say, that's the grenade you throw in the middle and all bets are off. So impact, it, when we measure it and when we track it like this, allows us to see what's working, where are the connections where we can see the most impact having, and it's, it's an absolute joy. So I'm going to wrap up by talking about this, which is being positioned for influence. And again, this is a question for you to ask yourselves. I don't think we're gonna have time to go through it now. We want to leave space for questions at the end. But this question is, what rooms are you in that enable you to influence the decision-making in your town or city? So just have a quick think. What rooms are you in currently where there are decisions being made about what happens in your town and city? If any, which ones are you in?" Now, for us, we have found that this has been a bit of a a change of direction for us. We've started to hunger after being more influential in Ashford because we want to see God's kingdom break out. We want to bring life to Ashford. So if we wanna bring life to Ashford beyond the things that Ashford Vineyard can do, then we're gonna have to get in some bigger rooms and we're gonna have to be able to start punching above our weight, if you like, in terms of being in the places and spaces where the decisions are made. So Becca, who you just met, is part of the business forum. Um, The Beehive hosts the social enterprise breakfast for Ashford now, so these people all come into that space. Chris, on Monday, is going along to an event at Asherborough Council, which is, what is the vision for the next 10 years of Ashford? And we were invited to participate in that. I mean, what a privilege that is. The email is like, we want to decide what Ashford should look like in 2030. Do you want to be a part of that? Come along. Yes. (laughs) Yes, we want to be a part of that. Um, And one of the things we did was... um, as you know, we lead choir, as I said, uh, Chris was invited to go along and lead a workplace choir at the council. And uh, long story short, um, it, it originally he was invited in to talk about a choir and the um, chief exec had this meeting with him and said, yes, um, we need a choir and did this like a choir gown. And Chris said, I, I need to stop you there. Like if you are thinking about us and choir, we are not a gowned kind of choir. But I tell you what, I can't do that. They wanted someone to go and sing at corporate, like, council events. Because, like, no, that's not going to work. But what I can do is, how about I come and do a workplace choir? So, for a season um, in the summer, Chris and I turned up. The choir included the chief exec. The head of commercial property for the whole of Ashford was in the choir. Um, at the head of finance for the whole of the boroughs in the choir. And then what's really weird is they're stood singing Take That songs, where suddenly you're the expert. So, you know, you're in a space where... Yeah. Can I say, Chris totally is an expert on take that. Just for the, for the purposes of the recording, that should be on there. Um, so actually, again, it's being in spaces of influence. And do you know the number of conversations we had at the end of rehearsals? Just, just the odd conversation about, oh, so what can we do for you in terms of buildings in Ashford? You know, just while we're packing away the words and the music. But it's because we're finding ourselves in these rooms. And I think I would ask you the question how are you going to get into these rooms? So, Radio Ashford for us has been an incredible place of influence. We got to know um, the breakfast DJ because he asked us to record a jingle for him with the choir. And then as that relationship has developed, this last year, Asher Vineyard were invited in every day during Advent to do an Advent thought that went out on Radio Ashford um, every morning during Advent where we blatantly got to talk about Jesus. Um, And we just got to share that across Ashford. And that was because we'd got in the room with um, Webbo, who is our amazing um, breakfast DJ. And I would also talk about this, which is to get you in the rooms, you're going to need some of these, which is finding a person of peace. Now, I would ask you the questions of who are the people in your towns and cities who are really influential? And then how can you get into relationship with them so that you can actually be in those rooms? This does come with a bit of a disclaimer, though, which is often the people of peace are the least expected, or they come shaped in unusual packages. I will tell you a quick story. When we were looking for a permanent home for the beehive, it started off as a pop-up for a month. We had dreamed about a particular place in Ashford, this shop, this particular shop, where Radio Ashford are upstairs in the building. And we had a phone call from Webbo, the breakfast DJ who's in there, saying, oh, are you guys interested in this space? You know, I, you know you could come and bring the beehive here. And, and our landlord was a wonderful man named Julian. Now, Julian ran the sex shop, which is in the downstairs of the building. And um, so it was a lingerie. And when I say lingerie, it was a special type of lingerie. <laughs> In the downstairs, which had the shop front. And then upstairs was what he called the toy shop. And that was next to where Radio Ashford was. And at the front, he ran the vape lounge. And he was our landlord. And so um, he kindly said that he would move the lingerie upstairs so that we could have the downstairs. And do you know what? he was the most unlikely person of peace. But what a gift that man was to us. He knew stuff about business. And he was so bold when it came to negotiating leases and contracts. He was incredibly generous to us in terms of the rent we were paying. And then the building actually got sold. And the new owner came in and the things we had learned from that man were incredible. And actually, he gave us like three months rent free in the end, you know, and he was the most unlikely person of peace, but he got us into some brilliant rooms and spaces with people, people of influence, and he taught us a lot about business. So don't write off the people in front of you because they don't fit into your box of what you think a person of peace looks like. Um, I think he was one that caught us out, but we can see that God's hand was, was on that all the way through and that he was putting us in a room with him because he could get us to places we couldn't get to without him. So I would say in finishing, look for the people, pray about who are the people, who are the local journalists who you can take out for coffee. Don't be, as, um, We heard a talk from Joe Frost on Tuesday morning who was talking about people being afraid of journalists. Like what if you took your journalists out for lunch? What if you took them out without an agenda but just to get to know them? What if you asked to meet with the person in the council and say to them, what can we do for you? We love this town and city. You love this town of city. And I would say start from a place of agreement. That is really important. So when Chris first sat in the office of Tracy Curley, who's our chief exec of the council, they talked for over an hour about what they both loved about Ashford and what they both wanted to see happen in Ashford. There is such a lot of agreement that we have in bringing life to places with the people of influence in them. So start from a place of agreement and then we can, we can get into those spaces and places. And this is um, a thought that I will leave you with, which is you are a leader for the city, not just for the church. And that, I think, sometimes is a bit of a mind, mind shift. If you are a great leader, please don't contain that within the walls of the church, Don't end up just using your gifts and skills to serve the church and that community where you are. If you are a leader, the chances are you've been appointed and anointed as a leader for your city. So go lead in your city. Go lead in every room you walk into. Go lead in every playground you walk into. Go lead in every supermarket you walk into. Everywhere you go, there is an opportunity to have impact. So go be a leader in your town and city. So that's us. We're going to hand this.
0: Uh, the question was, for the <laughs> or statement really, was if we focus too much on numbers, particularly when it comes to people saying yes to Jesus, is there the possibility that we become too focused on numbers and forget the stories? Absolutely, there is. In fact, we have an intern, we are leaving tonight to drive to Milton Keynes, so we're halfway to Gatwick, and we're picking up an intern who's coming in from America and starting with us, and we're picking her up tomorrow morning. And one of her main roles is story chaser. So one of her main roles is we want the stories. We want the stories. So we'll continue to count. um, And actually, we want to know that we are seeing more people say yes to Jesus than last year. Because that's one of our aims. I mean, that's ultimately one of the things we want to see. It doesn't fix people's lives. But, you know, so hello. Um, Yes, so absolutely, if you focus too much on numbers, you forget the stories. As has been said, I think John said it, we're in the people business. It is people. God is in the people business. Um, so, yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, yeah, the question is just around fundraising and how do you do fundraising well, particularly if you have a clash of ethos, etc. Uh, is that fair summary? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, well, the first thing to say is we're not very good at it. That's the first thing. Um I have recently been a, the chair of a local community um, association, let's call it that, a trust. And the trust director is like, oh, she she does fundraising, grant applications for fun. I'd meet up with her on a Monday morning and she'd say, I did another two at the weekend. Another two what? A couple of applications. How much are they for? Oh, one's, one's just five grand and the other's about eight. What? Um, And you need to find those people who've got that kind of brain. So we've now, now, uh, we've got someone, a volunteer. Um, Just to let you know, this volunteer doesn't know Jesus. And when she was given the opportunity to be our grant and funding person, she burst into tears because she felt so honoured at the chance to be able to serve. Ouch. (laughs) Ouch. And so what we've done is we have hooked her up with this lady who we're paying, to say can you just give us some of your wisdom because so much of grant funding is knowing where to look Um, and i said i remember saying to her where did you find the answer how did you know to apply for that when she said i looked through google i said yeah but the difference is i could scroll through screen after screen that was scrolling by the way and i i would have no idea what to look for she scrolls down and goes that one you have to pay for that in my in our limited experience
1: 've we've, we've just the reason why we 're counting more partly is that we started to dabble in grants applications and realized we were way out of our depth where they were asking for evidence of how do you know. And we're like, because it's great. Everyone loves it. (laughs) It's like Awkward. So we've started. That's part of the reason why we're we're counting more. And just recently, so Charlotte, who's over there in the yellow, Charlotte's um, just been employed at the Beehive, entirely funded by a grant, um, where we were able to show evidence of what the Beehive's doing. Very clear evidence of this is the impact. And Charlotte's entire salary is now being funded by a grant for the next year. So we're just starting to get some of the, the traction on fundraising. Um, but that's because I think we're getting braver at being able to state our aims. Because if you fill in a grant application, for those of you that haven't done many, we, it was new to us, the first thing they ask you is for what the aims of your organisation are. That was a really interesting one. Like, we welcome people. Like, we are a place that reaches out and gathers in and people feel welcome and that they matter. Like, it made total sense to us, but it didn't translate well into fundraising. And so that's part of what's we're moving into You know, God has got amazing vision for Ashford and the money is out there. So we need to find ways to get hold of it so that we can bring transformation. So we're just starting, but counting really helps, I think, with that.
0: I wouldn't use the word success. We try and avoid the word success because it's got too much baggage. But we do use the word fruitful and we are called to be fruitful and we are called to be passionate and faithful and all those things. And how do you measure faithfulness? Really hard of course how faithful are you feeling today well I mean don't ask a senior pastor on a Sunday morning because some Sunday mornings I'm like I am digging deep for my faithfulness this morning uh, so of course you're, you're, you're absolutely right we talk in terms of fruit rather than success um, because that is some fruit is definitely something um, that I mean Jesus cursed that fig tree because it wasn't producing fruit it's, it's a big deal for God fruit is success we just try and avoid that word but you are right we We try and be careful to not go over into where you're being a success, you're not.
1: On that one, I would say part of the culture around those fruit plans, when we meet with our leaders, part of our culture is that we celebrate risk over performance. So actually, that's part of the culture that actually we say to everyone with a fruit plan, there should be something on there that's impossible. So for everyone, that, rather than coming, I'm going to do this. Well, you sound like you've already done most of that. Yes, I have. It's like, well, in that case, it's not fruit. So we say to them, everyone should have something impossible on there. And that's because we celebrate risk over performance. So when they come with a fruit plan and they haven't been able to see the fruit that they expected, all that we would say is talk to us about why. Explain, like, actually, have you analysed? Have you reflected on what didn't work the way you expected and what went well? And that's the that's the mothering fathering bit of doing this it's not a a business model in the sense that if you don't meet your targets that you're out it's more of a if you don't meet your targets that you set yourself because that's the other thing people set all of their own targets we don't set them for them they set their own if you didn't meet the fruit you wanted for yourself let's talk about why what was it about you that got in the way what was it about other people and other circumstances that got in the way so yeah, we tried to celebrate risk over performance to try and avoid that thing of everyone feeling like they failed.
0: We need to finish. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It is quarter two, but let's quickly pray. Father, we, we love you. you. You are amazing. We want to be people who remain consistently fascinated with you. That we wake up and immediately we go, Oh, yes, you still love me. Your delight is still in me. What ventures have we got today, God? Who are you going to bring across our paths? We love to see your kingdom come and your will be done, your plan A, your nothing missing, nothing broken, established and poured out into people's lives. So, Father, thank you for all the equipping you give us. We want to cooperate with your grace wherever we see it being poured out. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And thank you all. Well done. It's really warm in here. You've done well.